Hey everyone, it's Mark and welcome to this week's episode of the Think Differently Podcast. I want to give a special thank you to Littlefoot Coffee. They are the official sponsor of the Think Differently Podcast and I, I've actually been drinking their coffee long before they ever became a sponsor. I drink their coffee every day. I love their Wendigo blend and right now I'm actually drinking their Winter Monster, which is a special blend they put together for the winter. But if you're like me and you like coffee and you believe in the power of small business, you believe that people can dream and dream big and bring their ideas to life, help me help Littlefoot Coffee grow. Head on over to littlefootcoffee.com. Use promo code MARK, M-A-R-C, and not only are you going to get delicious, hand-roasted, hand-packaged, small-batch coffee delivered to your door, but you're going to help Rosie and Alex bring their dream to life. So again, head over to littlefootcoffee.com. Use promo code MARK, M-A-R-C, and save some money, and let's believe in the power of small business and bringing our dreams to life, and let's help Littlefoot Coffee grow. I also want to give a shout-out to the for or against podcast. This is a hysterical weekly podcast. It's basically four buddies from high school, uh, but now they're older, right? They have kids, they have careers and mortgages, but every week they get together to discuss whether they are for or against certain key topics. You know, like, should you take pictures with your family wearing matching pajamas around the holidays? Should you put ketchup on hot dogs? What are your thoughts on self-driving cars? Really important stuff. It really is funny stuff. So again, check out the for or against podcast wherever you stream podcasts, and be sure to check them out. Um, With that said, I think that's it. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 36 of the Think Differently podcast. From Chicago, Illinois, this is Think Differently, a show that explores people who are challenging the status quo and how they do their work and choose to live their life. Doctors and designers to entrepreneurs and artists. Hear the stories, learn the insights, and see what it takes to think differently. It's Mark. Welcome to episode 36 of the Think Differently podcast. This week, I sat down with a, a guy I've known for a while, but we never connected on the podcast. And he is a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert. This is this is his his passion. This is his proficiency. This is what he does. He helps companies, organizations, and people really unpack diversity, inclusion, and equity. He uh, previously was an adjunct professor at the School of Entrepreneurship at DePaul University. He was a co-founder of a uh, a co-working space. He is an entrepreneur. He is a consultant. He is his own podcast host, and he is a really, really interesting guy. We get through all sorts of kind of heavy topics. We talk about race, social injustice, systemic racism. We talk about how people are biased and, and where sometimes we have these bias, and we might not be aware of it, but it actually impacts decisions that we make it impacts other people and it's a really pretty in-depth talk about race it's about how we can understand other people's points of view and i, and I couldn't think of a greater person to speak with this about than levi bear so i'm going to stop talking i'm going to let you get on with this week's episode of the think differently podcast featuring levi bear hey what's up man hey mark how's it going I'm good. We just had a little little chat before we turned the uh, the camera on, but it is awesome to see you on on Zoom. It is awesome to hear your voice. Yeah, I, right away. You know, you bring so much energy to everything you do, even before we hit record. I, I love your energy, and uh, you you have you sustain it through your social media. I've worked with you in person, and I just always enjoy talking to you. You really lift the room. Oh man, thanks, brother. You, you've, you know, it's funny as the podcast grows. I get, in, and we were just saying, I love people. I love to talk to people. I love to listen to people. But you've been a dude that I, I can't even recall how we really first met. But 
ever since we've met, like you've just opened your arms. You've had me into your, when you were teaching entrepreneurship at the university, you had me into your class to judge a competition. You've welcomed me to your business uh, at second shift, uh, you know, to kind of come in and, and work and hang out. And I really, uh, I think maybe with Thanksgiving, you know, upon us, I'm just like super grateful and thankful for you, man. I appreciate that. And likewise, back up to Awesome, man. Well, enough with the pleasantries because I am let's really. Get the, let's get to the mean stuff. Enough nice. Let's stuff. get to the meat. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, man. I, you know, as I was like writing down, you know, when I think of you, and I do this before the episodes, I just kind of write down like what are the things I think about when I think about this person, and the notes that I wrote down for you were diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, racial equity, uh, community building, entrepreneurship, um, and, and, and kind of like content, meaningful content, meaning that like for folks that, that have never met you, you have a really diverse background and a really interesting, uh, I guess, story, if you will, because when I explain who you are to people, I'm like, oh man, this dude, teaches entrepreneurship. He is a, a consultant teaching companies and people about diversity, equity, and inclusion and racial you know, equality. Um, he produces content. He is like a community builder. He loves board games. And now he has his own podcast. And when I say that out loud, it seems like a lot. And you and I were just talking before and all of that stuff kind of led you to a little place of of burnout, right? And this was yes. like a big, this was like a big kind of scene in the movie that's your life. So tell me like where you're at, like right now in life, man, what's going on? I, I think there's an interesting preface to the answer to that question, which is like, you know, I, as I move through that burnout that you mentioned, as like, and as I come out the other side, I, one of my values is honesty with myself so that I can be honest with others. And, you know, I, I, I think about, as I reflect on this journey that I'm on, just noting the moment was my birthday, which is in early November, and my birthday two years ago, November 2018, people were saying, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I had a recognition, I was really grouchy, a bunch of things were going wrong that day. <laughs> I had overbooked myself. I had family visiting. I had way too much on my plate professionally that I had chosen. I had put all those things on my plate. All wonderful opportunities, but too many. And people saying happy birthday. I said to myself, I'm, am I supposed to be happy? Because I am not. I am not uh. happy. And that was two years ago. And, you know, it, it's taken a long time. And certainly, I think, I, I believe in constant growth or continue, I should say continual growth or consistent mm -hmm. growth. So I don't want to say that I'm done um, chasing happiness. <laughs> but um, with some really intentional thought, some great conversations with friends, some great conversations with my therapist, um, I'm at a much more balanced place now. And I feel very, uh, I don't use this word lightly, I'm not going to throw this around, but I do feel very blessed for the situation that I'm in now where I have a better balance on doing work I love, which is diversity and inclusion consulting. And, you know, having a, as you mentioned, strong repertoire of projects that I've been involved in, but finding a much healthier relationship to what projects mean in my life. And we can get into this if we want to, but it used to be yeah. kind of pr professional distractions to keep myself busy. And I think now I have a much healthier relationship after doing some really intentional thought on them around them as to what it means for me to engage in work and what drives me the work or, you know, the life that I'm, I'm looking for. So I, I've thought a lot about it and kind of the overview is a little bit more, or I'd say a lot more balanced than where I was two years ago. Yeah. Well, sometimes I think balance comes from having a, 
I won't say it a goal, but it's like your North star. And like for you, what I've heard you talk about is that your, your North star was not about chasing job titles anymore. It wasn't about how much work I could do. It sounds like your shift was what was the kind of life that I want to live? And then where can all of these fulfilling projects fit in? Because again, you know, when you just look at it on paper, Levi, I mean, podcast, professor, you know, uh, entrepreneur, business owner, consultant, and in all of those things, although they have a, 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 th- a thread that run through them, it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot mm-hmm. of hours in a day and in even more than the hours. Cause I kind of get the sense that I know you, uh, I know you like to go running. I know you take care of yourself and you exercise, but I probably would guess that you don't mind staying up till a good 3 a.m., 4 a.m., just working on a project. And so making a healthy choice to make sure that you're living that life you want was a big moment for you. Well, you're, you're unearthing my my the, my vices here. I still am working on sleep. Sleep balance is the thing that I still need to work on. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of it just comes from having this really high drive and you know you know i do enjoy i grew up on a farm right and so my background is is work ethic and i'm, I'm from minnesota and i grew up on a farm and, and i think there's a combination of things culturally there of when there's work to do you do it the question isn't can i you know it's not a question of am i willing to stay up late to get the work done the question is going a step behind that which i think many of us don't do which is why am i doing so much work what have i set up for myself so that there's a need for me to work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. I'm fine with staying up till, well, actually I should say now I I don't prefer to stay up. I don't like to work past eight, 9 p.m. if really at all. I will do it if I need to. But the question is, have I given myself an unreasonable set of obligations, requirements, is some of that coming from society? Is some of that coming from, honestly, like white supremacy culture? What is driving me to constantly produce? Is it capitalism? Why am I working so much? And is there Damn. another look I need to take at that to ask myself some big, hard questions? So that, what you just said to me is, again, I hear it from a lot of people. That's like introspective work. That is stuff that you you could read a book about it, but it might not really like help you, right? So there's there's personal work that needs to be done. It sounds like what you're saying, and it's if it is what you're saying, it's it's so timely that it's coming up because it's like, I can do this work, but should I be doing this work? Exactly. And if so, yes. why am I doing this work? And this, yes. this dude, Dr. Jeff, he was on the podcast a few episodes ago. He, he, he's like a sports medicine guy. He's a chiropractor. I go to him like to get adjusted, but it's like therapy. And he's like, so why are you doing all this stuff? He's like, like, you know, it got to that thing where it's like, we're, we're, do you not feel like you're enough? And I was like, God, he's like, bro, he's like, bro, you're doing this stuff. You say you like to help people, but really you just want to feel needed. And that's why you do all this stuff. So it's like, I guess my question, like my direct question for you is as you've done this, like self-work, this therapeutic work to look at all the things you could do, all the things you want to do, but where is like your calling in life? What like lenses are you looking at it through? Because again, like there's you, when I think of like broad strokes of your, your, maybe not proficiency, but really your, your profession, it's entrepreneurship, it's community building, and it's like, you know, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so there's a thread there, but for you, what do you, what lens do you look through when you're making these choices about what to work on? Yeah, I I actually just took a stab at rewriting like a personal uh, purpose statement so that I could put it in my um, consulting proposal so people could know where I'm coming from. Why, Mm -hmm. you know, why am I here pitching them to hire me? And 
consulting, teaching, community building, co-working space, those are all methods. Those are all pathways to something, right? They are not destinations. Being a consultant is not a destination. And I think that's really important to make that distinction. So what do I want? It's almost like a personal uh, mission and vision statement. The way that mm -hmm. I understand those vision is what version of the world I want to see. Mission is how I'm going to get there. So for me, community building, consulting, connecting, teaching, those are my part of my mission of how I'm going to get to. To answer your question, I think my vision is for a world of people experiencing joy and happiness. I, I consider myself a lighthearted person who's been through a lot of serious stuff. And I, I don't know if I would use the word deserve, but I think people should have, because I think people should be able to choose for themselves. I think people should be able to experience and have access to happiness. And I think that comes through different things. I think it comes through the way that I think about inclusion, feeling welcomed and, and belong, belonging and uh, connectivity with others. I think it comes from being seen for who you are. I think it comes from being valued. And so, you know, again, I, I think for me, it's just like, what, how does my work lead to more people feeling like they can be themselves connect with others and, and, and find that joy and happiness through being able to let their guard down, foster the things that make them happy. Like if I'm at work, I'll give a specific example. If I go okay. to my work, my workplace, and I have to be worried that my colleague is stealing, is uh, hoarding information so that I can't get the promotion. And I have to be worried that my boss is going to give me another microaggression. And I have to be worried that my company is under threat of, um, being publicly called out for not being diverse enough. I can't spend my time talking about the fact that I love to run or cook or that I'm a mother or father or whatever. I don't get to talk about these parts of my identity and life that make me happy and fulfilled. I have to spend my time navigating these pitfalls, navigating energy shortages or perceived energy shortages and dealing with BS, honestly, most of the time. And that's what a lot of people are doing. And so I see my work, however it comes alive, in creating these spaces that are inclusive communities so folks can let their guard down and be themselves and find those other facets and characteristics and not find, but foster and enhance those other characteristics of themselves that, that round out how they see themselves as a person. Wow. That's really good, man. <laughs> That's wow. You know, it's, um, when I hear you say that everyone's entitled or, or deliver, you know, deserve the joy and happiness, right? We should live in a place of joy and happiness and, people aren't and and i guess my follow-up question for this is that you had noted like if you go to work and you feel that way right so like you're you're at work but you're really navigating this weird cultural thing and you're navigating office politics but like what about for people that don't work what about for like an entrepreneur that might still face these challenges because they're working like on their own like is there i guess maybe the actual question is is the diversity um, and equity and inclusion work, is it translatable in your eyes from life life to work life to personal life? Is, is there even a difference in all of that? Or is it like silver bullet type stuff? There's no silver bullet. Um, 
in in that there's a one size or one you know one fix switch to do this stuff because i see this as a connected ecosystem of my personal life my work life my societal and systems life i see this as a connected ecosystem where like the, the, these decisions being made at businesses and at governmental system level uh, places are being made by individuals who hold beliefs and biases. And even as an entrepreneur, I'm still navigating a world of nonsense, trauma, again, BS. Uh, I'm watching my language here, but I'm still navigating that world of harmful things enacted by people whose negative biases and preconceptions and beliefs and values are making my and many other people's lives worse. And if I have to navigate through all those traumatic spaces, how does any and all of our work, this is why I get into this thing of spheres of influence, and I'm big on this lately, is where is your sphere of influence where you, as a part of any part of that system, can make a difference with folks around you? You might not be a government policymaker, and many of us are not, but you might know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that does. And if you could get your family member at the Thanksgiving dinner table to understand why black people and other folks who ally with, ally with them are saying black lives matter, and your family member who hasn't gotten it yet, all of a sudden maybe it clicks for them. Maybe they can tell one other person it'll click for them and there's another click and five clicks down the road, maybe we do influence that policymaker. Right, because I don't want to believe that the folks in Washington are so far. I don't. I don't want to get so disconnected. I have a lot of delusionment with the system, but <laughs> I don't want to get so disconnected from it that I think there is no hope. And the hope for me is that all of us can make some changes around us with the people that we do resonate with and hold some influential power with, and that's how this system connects. Even if I don't work in government, business, nonprofit, this, that, philanthropy, I still think holding the door for somebody matters. I still think yeah. um, respecting somebody's pronouns matter. I still think, um, you know, thinking through when I'm hiring or sh when I'm spending money, am I spending money on, how am I spending money and, and who whose identity and lives am I touching with the money I spend? So as a consumer, as a, as a, as a co-working space manager or as a podcast creator, what representation do I put on my show? What representation do I have in my staff? What representation do I have in my community? These are moments where I actually do have influence and that does matter. So, you know, one, one last thing I wanna say about that is this, this gets into this whole topic of activism. Do we all need to be marching in the street? Do we all need to be fighting the fight? Yes, asterisk in the way that works for you. Yeah, yeah. So, not all of us have money to donate. Not all of us have time to protest or the energy or the desire or feel safe enough to protest in certain ways. But we all can touch the people around us in certain ways and affect language and affect belief systems and affect values. And I do think that's where the work can happen. Damn, I knew this was going to happen because every time I talk to you, just when I think I know something, I talk to you and I'm like, I don't know shit. You know, like even with like entrepreneur, I remember, I remember once we were talking, I was at second shift with you and we just started talking about like business models and I thought I had a handle on it. I mean, dude, I consult people on it. And then you're like, oh, is it this? I was like, 
I've never heard of that. What is he talking about? <laughs> Dude knows everything. Um, I got to dig into a few of these things. So one, you yeah. talked about bias. You talked about the people that are in power that are making decisions that affect a lot, that impact a lot of people. They're doing so from, from potentially a place of negative, negative bias, right? And when I hear that, like where I go is like, oh, if somebody is having negative thoughts, negative actions, negative beliefs uh, 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 towards a group of people, they're going to make decisions that negatively impact those people. Uh, the most, you know, the, 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 the most like kind of objective way is like race, right. Or gender. These are the big groups people talk about, right. Race, gender, religion, meaning, Oh, um, I don't want to hire black people. I don't want to hire white people. And they make that decision and it goes down the chain and it impacts everybody negatively. There's a flip side to that, that I became aware of many years ago, which is unconscious bias was the idea that, you know, we might not have ill intentions, but just because we are uninformed of either the way we grew up, the way we were raised, the way we see the world, our actions with positive intent may have negative implications for other people. So how do you personally, uh, like is some of the work you're doing bringing people aware of this unconscious bias? Because again, I, I like to think that a good majority of the world has good intentions. They just might make bad decisions thinking they're like good decisions? Yeah. Okay. This is a big question. Um, I, I just call it bias. I don't, in my work, I don't refer to it as unconscious bias because I think that it's there for all of us, no matter what. Um, the way I understand the psychology of this is like, we, we cannot, if, if we, if we understand or if we commonly know that bias comes from culture from how we are uh go through our culture and so that's media family religion news that i watch you know touch points in my life where does input come into me then uh you know i'm not gonna i can't get away from that one of the things i put in my trainings is bias is to us what water is to fish do fish know they're swimming in water no they're just doing what they do right so bias is the same way we're just moving through it all the time so I guess the conscious part, unconscious part is just, am I willing to take responsibility for what that means and how that affects how I see others? So um, yeah, where, how, could I, how could I take this? How could I like answer your question more directly? No, I think that's, a, I think you actually did. And I think again, as, as uh, is on brand for you, like you just taught me something, right? So the idea that I always thought about, like, you could be biased consciously, like, um, this is a moronic example. I'm a Cubs fan. I don't like Sox fans. Okay. I know I'm biased. I know I like this and I don't like this. This is the way or the norms that I act. But to me, unconscious bias would have just been again on a positive or a negative, like, Oh, I grew up in a very diverse population and therefore I don't necessarily, you know, look at people differently when it comes to social gatherings. Like my social gatherings are diverse right? Maybe by race, because that's just the way I was brought up. Like that's my bias, but a negative or an unconscious bias would be like, if you grew up in a predominantly white upper middle-class neighborhood where there were just lots of white people and you did not have any connection with other races, other cultures, other than yours, well, then you might not, if you own a company, if you work on a team, if you go to church, if wherever you go, if it's mostly white people, you don't see a problem because that's just, well, that's where I came from. This is what I see. To me, that's what I always thought about unconscious bias. And then the conscious was going to be like, hey, 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 do you not see that the world outside does not look like the world inside, like your your 
you yeah. know, world, like make a change. And I think well, real, real quick to add on that, I, I like, I, I, I'm curious about your thoughts because you are an expert on this, right? You have expert and expertise on this. I mean, dude, people pay you to do it. You do great work. This have thought more about it than other folks probably. Yeah. That's enough to make you an expert, right? You only got to be one chapter ahead of everybody else. Right. Um, but um, so what I was going to say was that I see people that want to make a difference, that want to right this wrong. They're like, I've got it. Like even me, I was like, I looked at like my list of podcast guests and I was like, a lot of white people, a lot of white dudes with beards, right? A lot of white girls. I'm like, how can I? And and again, I want to be able to look at the list of podcast guests and visually see difference because to me, I love differences. I love thinking differently. And one way that you get people thinking differently is you get people from different backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. And I think diversity of thought is a great thing. I think, you know, that to me is what really drew me to the field of like design thinking, which is come up, you know, like the best example I first read about like in 2004 was like, oh, they were trying to like solve a problem. I think it was like for a school. They're like, they got a child psychologist. They got a lawyer. They got like an architect. They got this really, you know, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, to me, it's kind of innate, but I, I see a lot of people that just aren't, I don't want to say they're not aware because I think they're aware. It's just a really interesting place because it's, it's in your face now in a way that it should have been for a long time. And for many people, it probably was in their face, but not for all of us. Yeah. So, okay. So many things. So I'll try to focus on the, 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 the stuff that makes sense here. First of all, that diversity of thought, absolutely, I believe in that 100% too. The question is, if I bring in the lawyer, the mom, the um, who could also be a lawyer, that lawyer, that's my prejudice, separating <laughs> mom and lawyer. That's the stuff so, I'm talking about, right? We say this stuff, we say yeah. it. So if I bring in five different professions, the question is, are they still all white? Because if that Silicon Valley IDEO case study was white people designing it and they said, let's just reach out to who we know and do what's normal and they bring in all white people. Have I truly reached a level of diversity thought that is you know, equitable or representative of our country? I would argue no. I mean, like what the, the way, why the, how the bias fits into like this greater understanding, how this connects back to the system. Why should any of us think about this and be more conscious about our impact and our biases is that the system is full of inequalities, period. So people's lives are worse based on the color of their skin, their gender, their sexual orientation, their religion, their beliefs. Some people's lives are worse than others because of characteristics they can't control. Because of that, I and many other people believe there is a moral and social obligation for those of us who can to do something to reorient the resources, direction, decision-making to make up from the fact, for the fact that some people have had a really bad time and are still having a bad time. Uh, there's so many examples of this. I'm not gonna take, I won't be <clears throat> so much of a downer to go through them all, but the point is, if I want to make the world a better place and I don't recognize what some of these inequities are and recognize some ways that people are not having such a good time, how am I really making the world a better place if I'm not actually thinking through 
um, that black people aren't experiencing policing the same as white people, that women have to pay for uh, feminine hygiene products uh, as, you know, are taxed or whatever, and, and other hygiene products aren't. Like, just where are these pain points that people are going through? And how do I then, if I want to design for that, how would, <clears throat> excuse me, how would diversity of thought actually bring in the voices into the room and to the design process to really make things better for people slash specifically the people who have been having a bad time mm. and who the sy system has left at such a short end of the stick that they one, maybe don't even know that they're at the short end of the stick or two, if they do, do not have the tools and resources to change their position in the world. Their position so is, it, is that intentional design I think what I'm 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 becoming aware of here, and I think I've already been aware of it, but like when you design anything, right? In human-centered design, we say you design for the person, build empathy for the user. And we might say that the user for something might be a single mother uh between the ages of this and this and this, but a single mother between the ages of this and this with this many kids that might be African-American or that might be white or might be Latino, depending on their geographic area, those all are very different needs. And so what I hear you saying is if we're trying to design in a way that makes things better for other people, that, that, that accomplishes what you're setting out to do, which is help people find joy and happiness, live a life of joy and happiness. We have to be just intentional about it because, you know, you, you know, we are all just such different beings and we are all individuals, but I think there are some, we, we, we tend to put people in groups and sometimes that's an okay thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like dads, dads have some general needs that are similar across race, gender, whatever it is, whatever, you, you know, as a dad. But if we want to really make meaningful, specific change, we have to address that. I think the way you said it was, there are people that have had it much worse than other people. They're having a hard time and it's because of nothing that they've done. You know, I think uh, when I was, you know, teaching in Chicago public schools, I just saw this, this generational thing, you know, where it was like, depending on which zip code you're born into, if you're living on the L streets or the M streets, you don't have a high likelihood of getting out of those L or M streets. And, you know, I remember like my mom, I remember driving downtown with my mama. She would like pick us up after school and take us back to her and my dad's stores. And we'd sit with them. And I remember getting off at diversity one day and there was a homeless dude that was panhandling. And I remember I felt like I felt I physically, you know, like when you have extreme empathy, like you feel like if you ever watched somebody get in a fight, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to watch somebody get punched. But anyway, I remember being a kid, being in my mom's car. I see this guy panhandling and I said to my mom, like, I feel so sorry for him. I feel so bad. That makes me feel bad. And she was like, that's good that you feel that. She goes, but nobody wants your pity but you can always find a way to help them, right? Like how can, what can you do to help them? And so what I, what I hear you saying is if we're going to be in a position of power, that anything that we, if we're the person that makes a decision that impacts a lot of people, or if I'm the nephew sitting at my uncle's, you know, Thanksgiving table, those are both similar spheres of influence and it can be top down or bottom up, be intentional about who you're trying to help and how you help them. Yes, and absolutely. And two things I would add to that. One is the, the, the simplest way we can think about equity is in recognizing that some people have had a worse time uh, because of systems failures. The best way to help them is to ask them, what do you need? 
what would a what would a good quality of life look like for you? So just to acknowledge that when we're talking about should we design things for folks, we should design things with folks by starting by asking them, what do y'all need? What would a good life look like for you? Oh man, I love again something that I live and breathe every day, but I've never said it that way. I love how you said design it with people, right? It's yeah, like yeah. I and like then that, another man. another part to that that's really important is just recognizing that we <clears throat> sorry, one sec. Another part to that that's really important is recognizing that we all can be both have power and influence and be on the downside, the receiving end. So we can all, another way of saying this, or this is the way people say it in activism, we can all be the oppressor and the oppressed at the same time. I hold a lot of power being a straight cis man. So because of my like male oriented identity, uh, that provides me a lot of power in the world. Uh, I'm also a, a man of color, a black man, a biracial man. I also am on the uh, bad end of power dynamics, especially when it comes to policing in the United States. I, as a very uh, fairly privileged person, person, am afraid of the police. I don't want to be around the police because I'm afraid that bad things will happen to me. I have every, you know, I'm, I walk around the neighborhood, I feel good about myself. I have, I have an uh, advanced degree police are scary to me because of my skin color. So, you know, there's different ways to think about that power. And then even within that, because I am biracial and because I'm lighter skin, people would say, I hold different power compared to people who have darker skin than me. There's so many ways to get into thinking about, well, what is my then obligation in these scenarios? Do I need to uplift and help make more space for women? And how can I urge on my friends and, and people in my life who are white to make more space for me because I'm black? You know, so like we can do the work up and down, so to speak. We don't want to really think of it up and down, but we, we can do the work in different directions at the same time. So this now opens up this gargantuan can of worms, which is you had said in the beginning that you were doing so much work, right? You're doing so much work that you wanted to back now take a minute and, and backwards design from that unhappy birthday to say, what is the life that I want? And then which what work will allow me to have that life? But even now, as we're talking about this, this really niche subset of your work, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, kind of like racial um, equity, even within that slice of pie, it can be divvied up 10 million different ways. And so how do you, cause like, you're my guy on this, right? I always say like, ah, Chicago, you got a guy, you know, or a gal, right? <laughs> you got a guy, you're like my DI guy. But like, even within that, you just said, hey, am I designing with with and for females, Latinos, Latinx, you know, African-Americans, men, women, like there's a million ways to divide it up. Are you are you kind of attacking this or 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 using your powers for good in the greater scheme of just um, in terms of educating people about all of this? Or do you say I work uh, on my, you know, kind of like your slice of the pie, which you said, which is a male biracial, you know, of your age group uh, with an advanced degree? Like, are you trying to solve for your persona or do you look at the bigger slice of the pie around all kind of elements of DEI? That's a really good question. Actually, that's a hard question for me to answer. And I think about this a lot because um, I think about, you know, we do hold power in different spaces, but um, where, how do we walk with authenticity, right? And so how do, how do we walk with authenticity and uh, you know, if I'm going to design with somebody and not for them, one of the best ways, the most <clears throat> pure way to do that would be if I am that person. So, uh, you know, specifically, I think about like, 
do I want to design for Black people, Black communities in Chicago? I didn't grow up in Chicago. And if we're being really honest, I don't personally, like in my head, I think have a lot of the narrative narratives and like wiring of like what a typical Black experience in Chicago could be. Is there a typical Black experience? Probably not right now. So I don't want to go stereotyping like all Black people are the same or anything like that. But I have to be careful. What I'm what I'm saying is I have to be careful if I'm going to work with Black communities, which I have in Chicago. I have I led a mentoring program that worked on the South and Far South sides. I had to be really intentional and, and name that I am not uh, of the population that I'm working with. And that means I'm going to have disconnects with what I know uh, about uh, them. And so then, you know, how do I design with equity in mind? How do I um, carry that with, how do I hold that responsibility and not make choices for people that I don't know enough about? So I think it, it, how does this answer the question? It's, you know, go after new, new stuff, like make changes where, you know, I, I do think about inspirationally, like changing systems, making things, but I have to think about where I uh, have kind of the authenticity to, to work, to be really specific and not be so theoretical. Right now, I think one of my best client spaces is with predominantly white organizations that are for profit, that want to do the right thing, but don't know how. So I would say one of my best like target markets is white owned, white led, predominantly white orgs, want to be good in social justice, don't know what to do. The reason why I feel comfortable there is because this is heavy air quotes here for all you listeners. I talk white, right? Super heavy stereotypical air quotes. And that comes from my <laughs> that comes from my background of I grew up with white people. My family, who I think of as my family, are white. And so I've also worked in capitalist for-profit business spaces. I've run my own for-profit business. I can talk business owner. I can talk white. I also happen to then pull in the fact that I experienced the world as a black man. So I have personal firsthand experience and I have a formal and informal education in change management and equity. And so do I need to change things for you know, everyone in the world, do I need to be an advocate for everyone? I want to be an ally to as many people as possible, but where do I want to push and be be popping that bubble and, you know, breaking the glass ceiling and changing things? I want to do that where I can hold power. And I think that I um, have certain spaces and demographics that will listen to me, will take me seriously, will value my lived experience, will value my background and, and my knowledge set, right? My firsthand experience with business ownership uh, with equity and those sorts of things. That's a perfect answer. That's like as direct of an answer. I think you can, you can really give. And what I take from that Levi, what I learned from you in that is that for everybody, if, if you see this, if you see that the, I always say people, you we're just, we're walking through life and things are dropping from the sky, but eventually something's going to drop. That's going to be the thing. And it's going to be, that's where that's the sword you're going to die on, whether it's, you know, DEI, whether it's, you know, healthcare, whether it's education, whatever the thing is that you get passionate about when you feel it and you're like, I can't walk away from this challenge. I'm going to do something about it. The advice that I hear from you is go to where you can not only be an ally, but where you can be an advocate. 
right? Go to where you're going to make the most significant, most genuine uh, impact that you can. It's like, again, I don't know much about football, but I know that football teams have like lots of coaches and there's like a coach for just like the kicker or like the offensive line. It's like those dudes probably want to be the head coach, right? But they're best served in this very specific role. And that's where you can make the greater good. If the offensive line is really, really good, then the team is really, really good. So it's like kind of, as that black sheep getting where you get in, where you fit in, who was, I don't remember, but it was like, just get in where you fit in, get in where you fit in, you know? Um, You also said something, go, go ahead, go ahead. No, actually go ahead. Yeah. You do yours. You said something that was interesting, man, which was that, I don't even know like the right way to say it, but it's like, you grew up your family that you grew up with. Like, you're like, they're white. I speak white. Like I'm, I, you know, like I talk white people look at you and they're like, is he white? He might, you know, so there's like this weird thing. And then you even said like, if I'm doing work in Chicago on the South and West side, predominantly African-American, you know, communities, you have to let them know, Hey, like, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's like, I'm not really, I'm not like, not like I'm not one of you, but it's like, I'm not from here. And I've never walked these streets and I've never went to your schools. You know, I went to school in Minnesota. That's different than Inglewood. And so let me learn from you so that I can be an advocate for you and, 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 and help. Um, I just like think about all the people that listen to this podcast and what they're thinking right now. You know, like the people that are going to go back to a meeting, the people that are going to go like be with their family, the people that are going to be raising their kids. Like there's so much wisdom i feel like you're sharing here and and what's really unique is like you haven't even given us we haven't talked strategies right how to do the work my one of my mentors craig says people will people will pay you 80 percent of the budget if you just tell them what to do but not how to do it they're just like just tell me what to do and what i'm hearing you say is the the what to do is to be aware Right. To be aware that you might be making decisions that are negatively impacting people or that you have a sphere of influence, top down, bottom up, that can really help make people's lives better that have had rough lives, certainly rougher than perhaps the person looking up or down the chain. I'm going to I'm going to do a real hot take here. Everybody get your cup of tea ready to sip. If you are not bringing that intention, you are making decisions that are making some people's lives harder. If you are not thinking about your power and privilege in relation to how communities are affected by them, you are making some people's lives harder, straight up. So like that to me, and and Mark, we just just spent all this time talking up until now before we got to talking about any strategy. because for me, the framing has to be on why, because you, you can't force yeah. people and, you, and I don't believe in shaming people into making a difference. So if people are listening to this and maybe they're still holding out and feeling like this guy doesn't know, or I, I, I recycle, I do the right thing. I, you know, I believe in this, <laughs> but, but you're feeling a little holdout, you know, I think my responsibility as a consultant is to and this is a person in the world. I mean, this is how I engage with Instagram and like social media and LinkedIn is like, do folks find their own journey into why? Why should I care that other people are having, you know, a harder time than me? Then we can talk strategy and what to do. People want consultants because they go, what do I do? What do I do? Do you know why you are coming to that conversation? Is it because you're afraid of being sued? Is it because you're afraid of people walking out of your business? <laughs> Those are re- reasonable uh, business constraints to think about. But again, 
businesses are just run by individuals. And I would just really question what are those individual motivations for like, what do you care about? What do you value? And then how do those come together as a collective organizational set of values? Do we value profits? Like just quick example, if Twitter valued people and justice and equity over profits, they would have canceled, sorry, I'm getting political here. They would cancel Donald Trump's Twitter account because, and cut this if you want to, but no, like no, Donald Trump having an active, Donald Trump having an active Twitter account is harming society. They keep it going because he generates a ton of probably more than any other source views for them. So they're saying we want eyeballs, views, attention, ads, money, right? So what is that organizational set of values where if they said we're only going to allow things that promote equity, equality, and fairness in the world, he wouldn't have an account. He wouldn't meet the standards. So it's just really thinking through like how, do, like what are these motivations and what drives us to make these decisions? Then we can get to strategy. But first we have to talk about why, why you want to even be having that conversation. So that's a huge point. And again, I, I always go back to the people, right? So it, uh, who's ever listening right now, you, your job title does not define your power, your influence, right? All it takes is the words in your mouth, and that is the power that you have. So speak up, whether it's at a family dinner, you hear somebody say something that you, you know is not right, speak up. If you're at a meeting and you're making decisions, ask, who is this for? Why are they not at the table? How are we advocating for their voice? And you know, more importantly, again, it's about doing the work, man. Like dollars and cents, they make life easier in some ways, but making the world a better place, bringing joy and happiness to people, that will far outsell your profits any day. Because when people are joy and happy and they're healthy, they feel valued, they feel validated, they see themselves in the world, that is that will far outperform anything that we, we try to design in isolation. Um, yeah. I want to quick... Yeah, go, 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 go. I mean, bro, yeah, I love so whether we, yeah, whether we, we want to include this or not. Can I offer two? So two recommendations. I have like two actions. So two action items. So I can off, actually give like, bring it, bring it. A, as folks think about like, yeah, okay, I want to do the right thing. Uh, you know, what could I do? So here's my opinion on two things that every anyone and everyone listening can do. So Mark, you just said like, you know, speak up in that boardroom at that family dinner table. I, action item number one, before you get there, ask yourself what and how much you're willing to go through. As we try to change the system, it's the system doesn't want to change. And, and that pushing on it is going to take work. It's going to take uh, drama and trauma, and it's going to drain you. And so before you go into that family confrontation at the Thanksgiving dinner table, uh, this will probably come out after Thanksgiving, your Christmas dinner <laughs> table, ask yourself, um, if they get really into it and if somebody starts saying whatever, whatever, like they're normal, I'm going to do about two minutes, but then I'm going to step away and I'm going to take my break or, you know, evaluate like what, what's at stake for me? We do have to evaluate what's at stake in terms of personal energy, you know, personal resilience, you know, impact. Like I don't want somebody to be like, I listen to podcasts. And so now I'm in the, in the executive meeting and this is bullshit. And then they get fired the next day. Right. So weigh out the cost of these things and kind of make a game plan for how much you're willing to push. Item number two is where are you creating opportunities for exposure and connections in your life to get at that diversity of thought that we're thinking through? I'm not going to make the case for diversity of thought being important because there's enough studies out there that do that, even for your business's bottom line, if not also, of course, for your own personal, like just being a good human in the world. Where's your exposure to media from different creators? 
analyze your Netflix. Are all the movies, who, what races and genders of people do you see on what you watch on Netflix? What music do you listen to? More importantly, where are the friendships in your life? If, if you looked around and said, well, all of my friends are whatever, what's that one to two year process plan for, for changing that exposure in your life? Don't do what George does in Seinfeld and uh, find the one black friend and, and go over to the house and watch movies with them, pretending to be friends with them because they did that in Seinfeld. Um, but do plant seeds for real relationships with people that offer you, you know, exposure to a new way of life and way of thinking. Do create a diversity of thought in, and identity, because those are tied, in your own life. And plant those seeds now. It can't happen overnight, but you can start immediately. I really appreciate that. That's actually some of the feedback I've gotten on the podcast is people are like, yo, you had, you know, this girl on, it's like, she's the expert and you never asked her for like, what are the things we should be doing? So thank you for bringing that up. The two things people should be doing for action is um, to think about what and how much are you willing to go through as you embark on, you know, making some, some objective changes related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. And I loved your example of like, if you're going to, if you're going to open that can of worms, you need to be aware of where your threshold is, right? Whether it's, I'm only going to talk for two minutes or, hey, if somebody starts getting heated about it, you could just say, hey, listen, man, that's cool. You're entitled to your opinion. Let's just take a break. We could talk later. Maybe just you and I one-on-one -on -one or something like that. And then the second thing you talked about is thinking about where are you creating those opportunities and whether that is in your personal life about your creating opportunities through the, the media that you input or, or that you receive to make it more diverse so you can see other things. Is it about opening up your network, about, you know, reaching out to people and making intentional time? I always think about my buddy, Brian, who's a big, big leader at a big, big, big consulting firm. And they did a, um, an activity that a consultant come in and they had colored like chips. And they said, all right, think about your friends. What color are most of your friends? And if, you know, put down white or brown or, you know, what have you. And he's like, at the end, mine were all white. And he goes, and I realized, and the guy said, oh, you got to make intentional thing. And he said, I go to the gym every day and I see this, this, this black dude. And we always kind of give each other the How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. Whatever. And he's like, I, I see this guy for two years. I don't know his name. And he, what did he do the next day? He went up to him and said, Hey, uh, I'm Brian. I was at an event yesterday and I realized that all my network is white and I don't have any like black friends. Like, do you want to have coffee and like talk? And the guy was like, yeah, I guess, you know, and they sat down and they had a coffee, but it's like, if it's awkward, it might have to be awkward, but you know, it's the, the, the kind of age old adage that a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So I love how you said, where are you creating opportunities? Take some ownership. Yeah. And just to be clear on that, so that I'm not, uh, I don't want a bunch of people of color to come complaining that uh, all the white people in their life started saying, let's be friends. Now. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, be like, don't start a friendship because somebody checks a box for you, right? Like yeah. the, the the kind of the what the agreed upon solution. One of the agreed upon solutions for diversity in workplaces is not uh, affirmative action to hire a certain number of people of color. It's create hiring pools which represent the diversity you're looking for. So even if you ended up hiring the white person, let's say you're the white man, that's fine. It's just that you looked at enough people of different identities and backgrounds. So do create diverse hiring, create diverse friendship pools. That's it, that's it. Levi Bear original, you heard it here first, create diverse <laughs> friendship pools so that you don't have to go to the one black guy at the gym and say, be my friend so that I'm a better person. You know, make 
make sure you have, again, this exposure in a broader pool of people so that that friendship happens naturally. And it's yeah. built on shared values, shared interests, the things we want friendship to be. And that person just happens to be a person of color or a different religion or trans or queer, you know, so just yeah. get to know more people in general and those friendships will happen. I like that. Create diverse friendship pools there. I like Levi Bear original. Um, you know, I, I, we're running a little low on time and, I, and I, I'm going to start to wrap up. But one thing that I know you're into right now is you, you just launched your own podcast called Movies for Humans. And uh, if I'm catching it correctly, you have each guest that you're going to have on. They recommend a movie that has had an impact on their life. You go and watch the movie. And then you and that person have like a, a conversation about that movie, which, by the way, led to a hysterical conversation at my dinner table last night between my wife and I, which she was like, you know, um, uh, you know, so what movie? Well, like, what's your favorite movie? She goes, oh, she's like, you love that one movie. She's like, what? She goes, nobody has seen that movie. I'm like, you're right. No one has seen. Nobody was even heard of this movie. Um, and we started laughing and talking about it. Um, but movies are a so really. I'm dying to know what's the movie. Oh, it's called Kundun. It is I the story. Uh, it's the story of the. I think it's the the most recent, the 14th Dalai Lama. It was uh, written and directed by Martin Scorsese, and it is, wow. it is. It is okay. amazing. It is amazing. Okay. I, yeah. I was also once at a, a neighborhood barbecue. Like I went to pick my daughter up and there was a bunch of dads hanging around a table, you know, drinking beers, you know, talking, I don't know, softball. And so I don't know. It's like not my scene. And they're like, oh, favorite movies, man. And like the first guy's like, oh, Godfather, Scarface, and, you know, like Boys in the Hood. The next guy, you know, he's like, Heat, uh, you know, blah, blah. And they get to me. I'm like, Toy Story, Finding Nemo. And maybe like either Kundun or The Godfather 2. And everyone's like, you know, it's like, uh, so, but, but this idea that this Movies for Humans is such a cool take. So I just want to let folks know, check out Movies for Humans. It's on Apple Podcasts. You have it kind of everywhere you can get podcasts. Um, it's a really, I listened to the first uh, episode uh, with Chloe. I thought it was really, really cool. It, it doesn't surprise me because I know you have such a unique view. I know you love board games and I know like you get into this stuff and like, it's such a cool podcast. So again, anybody listening, go check out Levi's podcast called Movies for Humans. Uh, it is super cool. And Levi, you should check out Kundun. If you could, I don't even know if you can find it anywhere. I don't even know where it is. I have the DVD still because uh, it's that good. <laughs> so so thank you for the shout out to the podcast. It just launched yesterday of the day we're recording this. So it's fresh out there in the world. And uh, it, would that be the movie you would pick if I said, Mark, pick an influential movie that I can go watch? I'd probably pick that one or I'd probably pick, um, yeah, I'd probably say Kundun or I'd probably say Finding Nemo, you know, yeah. or like, or like Up, like really any Pixar movie is like, it, it's like, it's like these, see these like kids books back there. Like those yeah. are kids books. Those aren't kids books, man. Those are adult books, man. All yeah, like the yeah. Sneetches. You ever read the Sneetches? Like yeah. that's like, that's like, to me is like DEI in a nutshell, you know, yeah, like the, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, so uh, yeah. yeah, I have all these business books over here the you know, everything from Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss and traction. But then I also have like the Tao Te Ching and I have the Tao of yeah. Pooh. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Kundun, man, you should definitely check it out. Um, well, I'll, I'll put you on the list and the lineup. Uh, so <laughs> season two or three, you're going to be on it. 
You get more than you asked for. Um, Levi, man, this has been a killer, killer conversation. Um, I want to wrap up and I want to thank you, uh, but I want to wrap up with two quick questions. One, um, we now know that you are, again, you're my guy, you're my DEI, you are the consultant, you are helping businesses uh, navigate the waters and figure out strategy and vision around diversity, equity, and inclusion. A lot of people listen to the podcast. Is there anything you need help with right now? Oh. Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, so I'm I'm in the process of rebuilding my business. Wow, actually, it's interesting. I'm thinking about what I want to ask for. Do I want to ask for business support? I, my first thought was, you know, what are the structures of being a consultant that this is my second time building a consulting business. And I would love to hear just like best practices around that that anybody has tips and tricks. Um, but more than that, I'm very interested in just rest and relaxation. So like, always, always interested in what are you doing to set business aside and foster the other parts of, of your life. So more so interested in what are those practices, whether it's playing Nintendo Switch, like I've been doing, getting into some Zelda uh, or gardening, <laughs> like my partner's been into, or, you know, what what are you doing to, to find that uh, balance uh, between who we are and what we do? Well, I know you're in the Chicago area, so I'm going to go ahead and recommend Tranquil Waters Float. Uh, it is a float tank uh, place that I go to. Um, it is, you take one hour in the float tank. It's like, I think they say it's worth like, you know, 15 hours of deep REM sleep. It's very, very good. Um, so again, okay. so folks that, folks that, um, again, building consulting practices, reach out to Levi. I'll put all his, his contact info in the show notes. And again, what are people doing for rest and relaxation could be a, a great way to reach out to you as well. Um, and finally, the final question, you know, I end each episode by asking the guests to fill in this blank. So here you go. Fill in the blank. Levi Bear thinks differently about inclusive community building. I would agree if anybody listened this far, they would agree uh, diverse, uh, you know, community building. So Levi, uh, it's been a long time coming, man. I feel like I've been like, Hey, we should do it. Oh, let's do it next week. And then I fall off and then you fall off. It's like, but we did it. We recorded it. I can't wait for people to listen and learn and get a glimpse into your mind and how you think differently. So thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. This has been really uh, fun and cool. And thanks for giving me the soapbox to rant on a little bit. That's one of my favorite things is to, to go off on the tangent. So I appreciate it, Mark. And, and thanks for doing this and holding this space. Of course, brother. Be well. There he is, Levi Bear. Uh, we were trying to figure out again how we met. And he is... He's a guy that I'm glad I have in my corner. He's uh, somebody you can always reach out to and ask, and he will always deliver. He will always tell you exactly like it is. Uh, one thing that didn't make it into this episode was uh, as we were getting ready to record, um, I had asked him, I said, you know, Levi, I'll be honest. I know that your parents, you know, one of your parents is African-American. One of them is white. I don't know. What do I call you? What, what are you? Are you mixed race? Are you African-American? I don't know. And he said, you should always just call the person what they want to be called. And that is exactly what we should do. We should be asking people about their preferences. We should be asking people what we can do to help make them feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more heard, and hopefully start to build more empathy for our communities, for our people, for our families. This is only good things that could come from this. So again, Levi, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. I hope you all enjoyed it. I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a message at mark at markdhands.com. You could always drop me a DM on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. It's always Mark 
Mark D. Hans. I would love to hear from you and your thoughts on this week's episode. As always, want to thank Littlefoot Coffee, the official sponsor of the Think Differently podcast. Uh, I've been drinking their coffee long before uh, they were ever a, a sponsor, but I love their coffee. I love their logo. It's super cute, but I love their passion and pursuit of their dream. Rosie and Alex, the co-founders, are just amazing people, and they're just they're doing it, man. They're hand-roasting coffee. They are hand-packaging it, writing handwritten notes, and they are doing it one bag of coffee at a time. So please head on over to littlefootcoffee.com, use promo code MARK, M-A-R-C, and you'll save some money on your purchase, and you will help believe and help believe in the power of small business. As always, from Chicago, Illinois, this is Mark Hans inspiring and challenging you to think differently.